It is Tuesday, the 19th of September. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's begin together in prayer, a prayer of St. Hilary of Poitiers, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, keep us from vain strife of words. Grant to us constant profession of the truth. Preserve us in a true and undefiled faith so that we may hold fast to that which we professed when we were baptized. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we may have thee for our Father, that we may abide in thy Son and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And since it is his feast today, St. Januarius pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Sway. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk to Father Boniface Hicks with more thoughts on personal prayer. He, of course, co-wrote a book about that very topic. Marlon De La Torre will discuss contemplating scripture with us. He joins us from the Diocese of Columbus, where they listen on St. Gabriel Radio. We'll discuss more about saint januarius san gennaro depending on what you call him and then sister alicia torres uh is going to be along she's part of a new video series on the eucharist so we'll discuss that as the morning continues right now it is two minutes past the hour here's anna mitchell with news Good morning. A new strike deadline has been announced by the United Auto Workers President Sean Fain. He says if no substantial progress in contract talks has been made by noon on Friday, September 22nd, they will call on more local unions to expand their stand-up strike. Currently, the automaker is striking three auto plants, one from each of the big three automakers. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly today. Mark Mayfield has more. The White House says Biden will reiterate U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Zelensky is also expected to speak at the meetings ahead of his scheduled visit to the White House on Thursday. This comes as the Biden administration is pushing Congress for more funding for the country's fight against Russia. I'm Mark Mayfield. Five Americans who were imprisoned in Iran are now free. The U.S. agreed to a deal that will give Tehran access to $6 billion of its own oil revenue that the U.S. had frozen through sanctions. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has defended the arrangement, stressing that there will be rigid restrictions on Iran's ability to use the money. But Republicans have accused President Biden of paying ransom to a known state sponsor of terrorism. The military says a debris field has been found in South Carolina, apparently linked to the missing stealth fighter jet. A Marine Corps pilot ejected from an F-35B after some sort of mishap on Sunday and managed to make it to the ground safely in North Charleston. The plane, which is said to be worth nearly $100 million, was nowhere to be found. Joint Base Charleston said Monday that the personnel located the debris field in Williamsburg County, about two hours northeast of the base. Pope Rand yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports that children and climate change were at the center of his remarks as he stressed the importance of serving the common good. 
And he said, quote, it is time to find the path of peace, the change for fraternity. He said it is time for weapons to cease and for us to return to dialogue, to diplomacy, end quote. The Holy Father also met yesterday with the staff of the Vatican Pharmacy, encouraging them to continue their mission on behalf of the most vulnerable and the sick. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Introducing his address in the Clementine Hall, Pope Francis briefly recalled the history of the Vatican Pharmacy, which was founded in 1874 as a pharmaceutical dispensary for the Pope and the Cardinals by blessed Pope Pius IX. The dispensary was entrusted to the Brothers Hospitallers of St. John of God, commonly known in Italian as Fate Bene Fratelli, who for over four centuries have been carrying out a wide range of health service activities around the world. In time, the pharmacy has extended its services not only to Vatican employees and residents of Vatican City, but also to other people who need particular medicines which can't be found elsewhere. Today, more than 50% of the people it serves comes from outside Vatican City. Thanking the Fate Bene Fratelli and all the staff of the pharmacy for their dedication, Pope Francis remarked that their service differs from that offered by other pharmacies, not only because it serves the Pope and the Roman Curia, but also because it requires a supplement of charity towards the most vulnerable and the sick. Yours is not a job, it's a mission, he said. He referred in particular to the many elderly people whom they deal with every day and who, he noted, often need not only medicine but attention and a word of comfort. Don't forget the apostolate of listening. At times it seems boring, but for the person speaking it is a caress from God through you, he said. Concluding, Pope Francis invited the audience to raise their eyes every now and then towards the crucifix, reminding them that their service to the sick is a service to him. I am Lisa Zengarini. And Arizona apparently has the most violent and aggressive drivers in the United States. That, according to a new survey from Forbes, advisor. It pulled 200 drivers from every state in the nation across nine key metrics. Topics included being forced off the road, being cursed at, being involved in a fight outside the vehicle, the among others. The survey put Arizona first in the nation, followed by Rhode Island, West Virginia, Virginia, and Oklahoma. These are not okay. the states that I would have suspected. I don't Boston know. listeners like- are uh, a little bit offended by that. <laughs> Is I I I don't know. Like I'm I'm not really sure that I've thought about the, but I would have put New York in there, I guess. But maybe they're just used to being kind kind of scary in other ways. That the the listeners in Arizona are more bothered by all of this, yeah, than the other markets. Yeah, maybe they just get more worked up if somebody does something wrong you know like i was i was this driving is why i don't trust polls anna mitchell well you know so this is interesting because i was driving in the dayton ohio area on sunday a part of of dayton that i had never been to before and so i was very much you know married to my gps trying to figure out how to get back to the highway and stuff and had to i was trying to get over and Man, this guy was not pleased with me. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, it's never I'm personal. I don't know. You We're know. all doing our best out there. Everybody, the everybody takes bad drivers personally when they cut you off or they're trying but to we'll get over and you don't want to let them over. You know, whatever. I don't use the horn unless 
I mean, I use the horn like three times a year. I don't Some even know if I do horn. that. I use the occasion. horn at like when the person takes 30 seconds to move at a light because they've been looking at their phone for I don't even use time. it then. 30 seconds? I only use it. How long I only do you use it? How long do you wait at a red light before you, you know, you kind of lightly press the horn to tell them that the light has changed until the situation resolves itself? I would really like to know. Can we do a poll on the show? Like on the Facebook page? Can it. you do that for me? I've got to I've got to do an interview. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I only honk if someone is in the act of running me over. I honk when I can tell that they're looking at their phone, and it's been about 15 seconds. You're more liberal with the honking. <laughs> the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Bonavis Hicks. He is co-author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer. And it's uh, a lot of really great information for those of you who want to deepen your prayer lives in the Catholic tradition. Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. And I get this question all the time from people who are coming toward the church from outside. And they know they're supposed to go to Mass. They know they're supposed to go to confession. The rosary is highly recommended to them. But there are also thousands upon thousands of other devotions and prayers and sometimes the new people have a little trouble figuring out you know am i supposed to pray this one or that one i mean what what is the purpose of all the devotional prayers that are kind of laid out for us on a sort of a spiritual buffet in the church <laughs> well the uh we we learn a lot from other people who know how to pray and uh, a lot of the devotional prayers were composed by saints or even in some way provided by um the Lord, uh, also through Scripture, and they give us some starting point. So the Jesus himself, of course, taught us to pray, giving us a, a prayer to recite. And, and we learn by reciting these kinds of prayers how to pray. So also, uh, so on the one hand, the, the words from the outside, the, the prayers, the teachings of the saints, the Scripture, kind of presses in and forms our inside. On the other hand, what's inside of us, we can sometimes have a hard time expressing for ourselves, and we can find ways in devotional prayers to express that. I know that maybe I, I really love Mary or St. Joseph, or I love the Lord and His Sacred Heart, or the wounds that He's borne for my sake, but I don't know how to say that as eloquently as uh, St. Bernard did, or as as eloquently as St. Alphonsus Liguori did. And so I find in their prayers a way of expressing my heart. I mean, that's a great way to put it, because it uh, it can seem to uh, to someone who's just trying to approach these traditions with with not a whole lot of experience of them as as though these are a bunch of assignments, <laughs> right? Like, oh, you got to right. do this. Uh, you got to pray this uh, this certain way this number of times. And that's I don't I don't think that's what the church is really trying to get us to do, is it? No, not at all. It's a uh... Not not trying to, um, yeah. Well, I, I suppose in a certain way, if you understand assignments correctly, uh, we, we probably put a negative connotation on that from our school experience. But the point of assignments is to practice something that forms us in uh, in a particular way of, of understanding, of seeing, of, of loving, of receiving. And so uh, assignments understood in the proper way, that could be true. But uh, no, the, it's, it's really a, a matter of uh, forming the heart. And also... Uh, these are ways that we can pray together, and 
So something like the the rosary, I, I often experienced praying in front of an abortion center, for example. The Protestants would be there and not know quite what to do, and the Catholics, of course, have a battery of uh, rosaries and litanies and uh, a number of things that we can pray together. So the, another advantage of vocal prayer is it is something that we can we can do together and unite our hearts in a in a shared prayer. Well, when it comes to these devotions, I I found at least in my own life that some of them really resonate with me and some of them are just, I don't know, they're just not my personality type as it were. I mean, what would you say to someone who, uh, you know, maybe they're at a parish and a a group of people has said, oh man, you got to try out this devotion. It's amazing. And then they try it out and it just doesn't click with them. Like, what would you say to somebody who's who's trying to figure out which devotions are are the ones that really resonate with them? Yeah. I would say that's probably a regular experience. If that happens to you, don't be surprised. Um, devotions are very personal, and, and that's why the, the Church doesn't require particular devotional prayers out of anybody. And it's, uh, there's, there's something that's very much a matter of, of personal preference, the things that, that speak to our hearts, that resonate with us. As, as Benedictines, we're uh, particularly not known for devotional prayers. Our devotion is to the liturgy, to the Church's prayer, and so uh, a lot of us uh, Benedictines uh, may have little here and there, but our, our principal focus is on the, the prayer of the Church. And so, so anyway, there's no, uh, there's no shame in that. There's no reason to be distressed that uh, somebody else is able to get quite a bit out of a particular devotion, and you're not. Um, but uh, certain openness, and sometimes it captures, you know, on a retreat, maybe it's particularly moving experience, and there's a, there's a prayer, a devotion for that retreat that kind of sticks with us and, and that we can draw as a, as a reminder of what God spoke to us and to keep that grace alive in our hearts. It's so funny that you mention it uh, that way because I've been at places where there's been a retreat or um, you know some kind of like an apostolate that has sort of their in language prayer that they pray or they have this certain devotion that's unique to them and then you go try it somewhere where you're in a room full of people who haven't gone to that thing or experienced that thing and they're like what was that <laughs> you know so uh, <laughs> these are really interesting and deeply personal things uh, but you know the church I mean to me the the the, the amazing part about it is just how much there is I, there's there's kind of like an endless well of this stuff yeah it really is uh, remarkable there's there's a it's a lot of the beauty the wealth of every individual has his or her own unique exclusive and unrepeatable relationship with the Lord and so these prayers are expressions of different saints devotions and of course the mystery of God is infinitely deep so it's not like we're ever going to exhaust it and so those things grow up over time and then being an historical church we, we actually save these things write them down pass them down different things grow up in different areas and so a lot of uh, unique cultural expressions of Catholicism it's, it's really very beautiful it's an expression of the diversity of humanity Well, there's some great thoughts on this uh, very topic in Father Boniface Hicks' book that he did with Father Thomas Acklin. It's called Personal Prayer. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. All right. We are back after this with headlines. It's 16 minutes past the hour. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective. 
while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts, encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk, to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. A new strike deadline has been announced by the United Auto Workers president. Pope Francis participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative, speaking to them on the importance of serving the common good. And the Holy Father has entrusted his upcoming trip to Marseille, France, to the Blessed Mother. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, fascinating first reading from Mass today, Anna Mitchell. Oh, I haven't. Uh, and a reminder. Pulled, I haven't opened up. You haven't pulled it up yet? Today. It's still very early. Um, but it just talks about, uh, well, St. Paul is talking to Timothy, who's a bishop, mm-hmm. and saying, listen, if you're going to be a bishop, here's what you got to be like. Um, irreproachable, married only once, temperate, self-controlled. You know, it's it's fascinating that, you know, how the Decent. office of has hospitable you know since since this point and the discipline of celibacy and and all these sorts of things uh but there's some instruction for deacons here too um as well Uh, you know what's what's really interesting to me is that these are offices that go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. i think there's kind of a sense i mean there are a lot of churches out there who don't have bishops or deacons and yet these offices are in they're in the new testament these are not things that the catholic church invented in the middle ages or something like that um these are offices that were there from the beginning. Right there in Scripture. So those of you who are deacons out there, and perhaps even bishops listening this morning, just want to let you know, when I see readings like this, it just reminds me that I need to be praying for y'all every day. Yeah. I mean, what is it? Acts chapter what? Oh, don't like make me try and remember the three chapter. Three or something that we when the first see the first are deacons ordained? I'm trying to. It's very early. Extremely see. early. And the first, I'm going to find out right in the first martyrdom in the New Testament is indeed a deacon, right? Mm -hmm. Saint Stephen, indeed, whose feast is the day after Christmas. So, bishops, deacons, priests, Holy Father, praying for all of you this morning. Since you came up in the readings, it is 21 minutes past the hour. Where can you read how to be in the world but not? 
of the world. And how to trust that our prayers will be answered by thanking God ahead of time. Where can you see Sacred Heart Radio engaged in our Catholic community? And what our survey says about what's important to you. Where can you get the elder football schedule, our updated program schedule, and more? In Sacred Heart Radio's autumn newsletter. To get your copy, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on this feast of San Gennaro, St. Januarius. Pray for us. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So, Marlon, we're going to be talking about contemplating Scripture today. Can you mm-hmm. start us off? Like, what would you say is the difference between reading Scripture and contemplating Scripture? Is there a difference? There is. Great question. I think, uh, let's define the terms. I think we would come to a general understanding that uh, sacred Scripture, the Word of God, is, is, is communication to us. It's, it's how He speaks to us. Uh, we have this beautiful written Word, uh, this letter, this this uh, Word made flesh, so to speak, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that, that comes alive. And so God communicates to us His love. And uh, the Bible in and of itself is really a, uh, an expression, a manifestation of God's intimate union with us. And so we have this physical Word that we can uh, read, that we can uh, discern, and really uh, focus our life on, really. This is how we're, we're driven as, as the people of God. So that's one aspect, understanding the Word of God. When we contemplate, that is something different. That's where we dive deep into, I would call, our spiritual cavern, where there's no need for anything vocal. There's no need for anything aloud. It is really meditating on our Lord quietly, meditating with Him in silence and in prayer. And so when you combine both this act of contemplation which is a, a depth of, of beauty and silence with him. And then you reflect and begin to read 
on the Word of God to read sacred scripture in whatever book you want to read. Then you, you really uh, combine this beautiful symphony of faith where you use the Word of God as a way to meditate quietly, put yourself in the presence of our Lord, and really begin to develop this an awareness of Him, but, but in silence. Uh, and, and this is really part of the, the beauty that sacred scripture offers us, is when we read on a certain aspect of Him, uh, whatever chapter, whatever verse it may be, that we can meditate in silence. And this sort of contemplation comes in and really uh, brings the fruit of understanding of not only our faith, but our relationship with Him through the Word of God. I mean, you really learn, as as you write in your piece on this, that God is love and that mm -hmm. He loves me. Absolutely. He, he whether you read Isaiah, <clears throat> Ezekiel, <clears throat> excuse me, Genesis, or what have you, there is a progression here. Uh, it's a love story. It, it, it's it's really a, a communication of his intention to show you how much he loves you. And when we see this progression, whether you read Isaiah in particular, we, we see the reference to our Lord, the reference to our Blessed Mother Mary. We read uh, Isaiah 11 or Isaiah 51. Uh, we, we look towards the prophet Jeremiah and his conversation with God and his struggle to really minister to the people of God and their disobedience. And then we see this culmination, whether you read the synoptics or even John's gospel, whether you read the discourse in John 6, or even the whole wedding piece of Cana discourse, uh, or basically the, the fact that he is divine, we are the branches, uh, beginning with John 13 on. We see this intention to tell us, you know what, I love you. I'm not going to leave you alone. Follow me. I am here. My hand is extended to you. So it, it really is just a beautiful thing to contemplate on. And I, I don't think that we should take anything for granted here in terms of of our listeners and the ability to to actually do this because a lot of times you sit down and it's like okay i'm gonna read you know mm -hmm. um i i have i have a priest friend who who calls it bible roulette you know you just kind of yeah. open the bible and put your finger down on mm -hmm. you know any verse and then so you end up in like leviticus chapter 6 verse 15 i have no there idea what that is but you know, and, and assume that God is going to speak to you that way. Um, but that's not a good way to approach Scripture and contemplation, is it? Like, how would you encourage somebody to, to actually practice this in a way that, that it will become fruitful for you? Okay, great question. I think when you look at, say, the practice of Lectio Divina, when you begin to meditate, to contemplate, to, to, to pray on the Word of God, uh, contemplation is is a, an intimate element of the lecture where you're you're required to forget about everything else around you. you. You're trying to eliminate those things, those distractions, and really focus on how God speaks to you. So w when you take the element of lectio divina, which is really an immersion of your soul to God in His Word. Uh, you take that aspect of contemplation and say, Lord, I need you to guide me this day. I surrender myself to you, and I ask you to speak to me. May you guide me in terms of the word that you've given to me and really show me the way of how you want me to live my life. Because really, we are a people of, of the word of God. I mean, it is sacred scripture that drives us to understand church teaching. And so if you begin with that initial immediate surrender, and then you particularly focus on a particular book of the Bible, it doesn't have to be random. You don't have to be biblical or relate to it. It may help you, but just really focus on one particular book or verse or something that moved you related to a particular story of sacred scripture. And then from there, focus on that and allow yourself to contemplate and really uh, place yourself in the midst of how God is speaking uh, to us through that particular chapter and verse on sacred scripture. That's how I would say to anyone who wants to begin this is a really simple way of starting. Um, 
Marlon, not, I just went looking up Leviticus chapter 6, verse 15, just to see, like, okay, yeah. what did my biblical roulette land on this morning? Yeah. It's about the cereal offering. What a perfect verse for a oh morning show. The cereal Amen. offer, your cereal offering. this morning. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been embarrassed on the air that Biblical Roulette <laughs> worked for us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. One time only. <laughs> Gotta love it. Go check out Marlon's piece over at knowingisdoing.org. Marlon, thanks so much, and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly today. The White House says Biden will be reiterating U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is expected to speak at the meetings ahead of his scheduled visit at the White House on Thursday this coming. As the Biden administration is pushing Congress to get more funding for Ukraine's fight against Russia. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. Automakers is heading into its fifth day now. Trey Thomas reports. Reports say the union has met with Ford, GM, and Stellantis with little to no progress on a new contract. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. They're demanding better pay and pension benefits. I'm Trey Thomas. Five Americans who were imprisoned in Iran are free. The U.S. agreed to a deal that will give Tehran access to $6 billion of its own oil revenue that the U.S. had frozen through sanctions. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has defended the arrangement, stressing there will be rigid restrictions on Iran's ability to use the money. Republicans have accused President Biden of paying a ransom to a known state sponsor of terrorism. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports that children and climate change were at the center of his remarks as he stressed the importance of serving the common good. He said, it is time to find the path of peace, the change for fraternity. He said, it's time for weapons to cease and for us to return to dialogue, to diplomacy, end quote. The Holy Father also met yesterday with members of the Daughters of Divine Zeal and the Rogationists of the Heart of Jesus. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock reports. It was one particular passage of the Gospel, Pope Francis noted, which inspired the Sicilian nobleman Hannibal Maria di Francia to abandon his wealth and found both the Daughters of Divine Zeal and the Rogationist Fathers. This verse, which the Pope read aloud to those present, comes from the Gospel of Matthew. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore... Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This line, he said, filled St. Hannibal's heart with zeal. Given the poverty with which he was surrounded, this Italian nobleman felt, like Jesus, an intense compassion for humanity. His first reaction, the Pope explained, was to pray. Not, he stressed, in order to convince God to send pastors, as if he did not already care for his flock, but in order that we might be ever more overwhelmed by the intensity of God's love for us, that we might learn through prayer, that is, to be sensitive to the needs of his children. Prayer, Pope Francis stressed, is the red thread that runs through the life of St. Hannibal. It was in prayer, moreover, that the Sicilian saint received his vocation. Indeed, the Pope reflected, when you put yourself meek and humble before God, you are often gifted with a specific understanding of your own life. This, at least, was St. Hannibal's experience. But it applies to everyone. Without prayer, you can't get by. You don't know where you're going. So it's important to have a prolonged dialogue with the Lord every day. 
and to appeal to him before every important moment, every meeting, every decision. Bringing his address to an end, Pope Francis laid aside his prepared remarks and spoke of the script. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your witness. Thank you, he continued, for your hands, which are joined in prayer. Not glued, no, because afterwards they have to go to work, but joined. Please continue to pray for vocations. I'm Joseph Tullock. Pope Francis has entrusted his upcoming trip to Marseille, France, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Vatican News reports the Holy Father has paid his usual visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to pray before the icon of the Salus Papali Romani. Pope Francis will be traveling to Marseille at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. During his Sunday Angelus address, the Holy Father called this an opportunity to promote fraternity. The military says a debris field has been found in South Carolina, apparently linked to a missing stealth fighter jet. Marine Corps pilot had ejected from the plane after some sort of mishap on Sunday. He landed safely, but the plane was nowhere to be found. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of San Gennaro, Tuesday, September the 19th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be another really nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 40s, lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today with a high of 78 degrees. A few clouds and pleasant tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny and warmer tomorrow with a high of 83 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, cloudy skies this morning, partly cloudy this afternoon, and high of 76 degrees. Some passing clouds tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 84 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Feast of St. Januarius, or as the Italians call him, San Gennaro. And Anna Mitchell, we were talking earlier this hour with Father Boniface Hicks about how certain people gravitate towards certain devotions and certain saints. And we'll talk in a moment about how you and San Gennaro Gennaro have become friends. Yeah. Kind of (laughs) connected. But uh, I guess, I mean, do you want to tell his story first? Yeah. So there's not a whole lot that we know about him. We know he's a martyr. 
in the persecutions of Diocletian. He was a bishop in the fourth century in the 300s and um, was was arrested while um, visiting some of his deacons who had been put in prison during these persecutions of Diocletian and then um, was martyred along with these deacons. And so the reason that, that San Gennaro is so famous though, is that um, this was a practice in the early church that the Christians, and, and there, are some, there are a couple of saints um, who are really famous for um, preserving the relics of, of the saints going and, and preserving the blood, soaking up the blood of the martyrs um, St. Praxedes is is one of them, I believe. Um, I don't think she got San Gennaro's blood, but just as a, a point here that um, that the early Christians knew that there was something special about the human remains of the martyrs. And so his blood was preserved and dried for some reason. I don't know why, but um, it became a thing that in the reliquary, the 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 uh, vessel that contained this dry blood, since uh, sometime in the Middle Ages, his blood will liquefy on three days every year, and today is one of those days. September nineteenth is feast day. Um, so I haven't seen any reports, Matt, as to whether. I should look this up. The Catholic News Agency is usually really good They're about usually keeping on track it. of this. I don't know if there's been a story up yet. Let me see. But anyway, he's. it's like really cool to see if you um, you can look up videos of San Gennaro. I don't see any reports about it yet, but it's still somewhat early. I think they're, they, I mean, in Naples, they always have, you know, special prayer service where they they pull out the relic and so i don't even know if that has happened yet because it's only like what it's almost very, one o'clock in the it's like it's barely close to one o'clock barely after lunch time yeah 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 they're still in their siesta time so perhaps so yeah right, we need to do a siesta around here i know right it'd be so nice but so so that's the story and it is uh it's not like a regular old saint story. It's it's kind of quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so is your connection to San Gennaro. <laughs> so I, I know many of our listeners are familiar with this on some level because you've you've mentioned it a couple of times mm-hmm. when San Gennaro's feast comes up. But yeah. I think it's such a cool story. Well, it's one of these things I, I am. And, and I'll say this to listeners that have heard this story. I hope that you are renewed in your faith every time you hear it. But the reason that I continue to do this is that, A, I promised San Gennaro that I would continue to promote devotion to him because of it. But two, um, I am I am very affected by the, the point in the book of Judges where it talked about all of the children that had fallen away from the faith and didn't know anything about it because nobody told their story story. And so I will continue to tell this story in the hopes that that we keep alive the faith. I'm going to do my part in that, um, you know, with my platform here on the Sunrise Morning Show and in my family and, and everything. So the reason that San Gennaro is so special to me is because of the uh, ordeal that I went with, that uh, we went through as a family um, four years, Matt, four years ago now. It'll be about four years ago now when uh, my daughter Roma was five years old. Um, She, in November of that year, this was right before the lockdowns, 
it was like just a couple of months before the lockdowns happened with COVID. It was before we even knew what COVID was. Um, she uh, was off and on sick for almost the entire month of November. And finally, about a, I don't know, it was like a week or so before Thanksgiving, um, we finally, like she had gotten to a point where she was so dehydrated, we decided that it was time to go to the emergency room and get some fluids. So my husband takes her to the emergency room. He ends up staying overnight. This whole ordeal. I go into work still. Um, and, um, well, you know, my husband's communicating with me and, and, and they had thought that it was a couple of viruses on top of each other at first, but then there was just one symptom that she had that kind of, you know, made them sort of turn their head. That doesn't really fit with the whole virus idea. So maybe we should have a a CT scan or an MRI. We need to, we'd like to get a picture of her brain to see just to, you know, rule out any, you know, neurological issues. And so we decided to go through it and uh, they get a CT scan that morning. And I was thinking they were just going to come home. I almost didn't go to the hospital to get the results because I thought we were going to turn right around and, and leave after she got some fluids. And I walk into that room in the emergency room to see my husband bowled over crying. And the doctor from, from neurosurgery had already been in and telling him the news that there was a significant brain bleed going on and they didn't know what was causing it and so they put Roma in the pediatric ICU um, we, we it was like 10 minutes later we're you know taking our things up to to ICU and um, we had to wait about a day and then got an MRI and I tell this story about praying the consecration prayer to Our Lady of Sorrows as we were sitting outside the MRI room waiting for it to begin, you know, praying that this little five-year-old would hold still so that we could get a good image um, and and praying because they had told us that the possibilities were it could be this thing called a cavernoma or it could be a tumor, which could be benign or not is how the doctor put it. And, and from that moment on, I was absolutely convinced that my daughter had brain cancer and that I, I mean, you know, you're you automatically go to the worst possible scenario, right? And so I was praying to Our Lady that I would, that she would grant me the the grace and the courage to be like her in the possibility that I was going to have to watch a child suffer and die. Now, I did have to watch a child suffer. I didn't have to watch her die, thanks be to God. Um, so anyway, we find out that it's this cavernoma, which is kind of this weird clump of blood cells in the brain that's abnormal. And it's not like life-threatening, but needed to be removed. And so that meant that my five-year-old was going to need brain surgery. And to, basically, to make a long story short, we were in, she had to get MRIs every week to kind of watch the bleeding on her brain because the doctor wanted it to like dissipate, to reduce, to be reabsorbed were some of the language that they used. And we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for this for a couple of weeks. And um, that takes us to December 16th, where I was at work. Will was taking Roma to uh, her regular MRI appointment. It was, uh, I think, a Monday morning. 
and um, he calls me afterwards and says, you know, everything seems to be about the same. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad it's not worse. And we continue to wait. Well, a couple of hours later, I'm still at work and I get a call from Children's Hospital. And it was one of the nurses from neurosurgery saying, hey, I have really great news. It turns out we were talking to the radiologist and the blood has the the, the blood clot has liquefied and we're going in for surgery on Thursday. And there's a whole like financial aspect to the story that I'm not gonna get into that this was like miraculous for me. But um, anyway, I said to my family later, you know, that reminds me of San Gennaro. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, he's got this like relic of blood and it it's dry blood, but it liquefies, you know, the nurse had never, like I'd never heard anybody in the department use that word before. And it turns out that his blood liquefies on September 19th on the, I don't remember, it's like the Monday after the first Sunday of May or something like that. And December 16th, the day that we found out that Roma's blood clot had liquefied. And from that point on, I was absolutely convinced that San Gennaro, for some reason, was interceding for my daughter that day. And I believe he did. She's alive and well and fine. So San Gennaro, pray for us. Sister Elise. You know, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes you go looking for saints and sometimes saints go looking for you. Go looking for you. I know. And you know, it's, it's so important to remember, like, be aware of these things. Know your faith. Know these little quirky things because you never know when that knowledge is going. If I didn't know San Gennaro's story, I wouldn't. Would I have had have any clue? Like, I wouldn't have made that connection. And there is so much more that, like, confirmed to me that San Gennaro was really intervening. Um, and, yeah, it's just so important to know the stories because... The way God operates in the past, you, if you know how he operated in the past, you can recognize when he's operating today. And I think the same thing with the saints. So very cool. Well, know. Sister Alicia Torres joins us next. It is 12 till. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Sister Alicia Torres. She's with the National Eucharistic Revival Team. Sister, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. I am so excited to get to talk to you again. Love talking to you. So the National Eucharistic Congress has put together a, a new video series to help with the year of parish revival. Now, we, before we get to the series itself, Sister, uh, can you just remind us of the objectives of this year of parish revival? Absolutely. So year of parish revival began Corpus Christi this past June, 2023. 
And it's a year where we are hoping and praying and wanting to provide resources and encouragement so that at the parish level, the Eucharistic revival can be lived, that this movement of renewal in our hearts, our devotion, our relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist can be deepened, reestablished, perhaps discovered for the first time for many people. And there are four pillars for this year, and they have to do with encounter, worship, formation, and mission. And so our four pillars help to kind of give parishes a structure for how to imagine, create, and then really cultivate revival at the parish level. Okay, so then this video series, it's called Jesus and the Eucharist. Tell us a little bit about it and how it fits in with those pillars. Absolutely. So Jesus and the Eucharist, I'm incredibly excited about it. I'm so proud of of my teammates and colleagues for the incredible work that they've done, partnering with the USCCB and the Augustine Institute to prepare this literally out-of-the-box resource for parishes. It provides seven weeks or seven videos. It's a seven-week series that parishes can literally just gather the group who are interested in participating, just train some table facilitation leaders, and hit play and the video kind of does it all for you because the hostess Monse Alvarado um, from EWTN leads it for you so you don't even have to worry about you know kind of introducing people or reading a script and she does it so beautifully and it leads us through salvation history and into the mystery of the Eucharist so it's a very comprehensive study it's not just starting off with the doctrine of the Eucharist, but rather putting it all within context of who we are, who we are, and where we're headed. So it's just a brilliant way to help people go deeper. Um, and I mean, I've, I've literally benefited from it myself, and I've been studying these things since I was a small child. So I think it's for everybody, not just for newcomers. Um, all of us can grow and learn together through this series. So it starts with creation, right, and kind of takes us through salvation history? Is that right? Right, absolutely. It takes us through salvation history, focusing on the person of Jesus Christ, And then it goes into the mystery of the Eucharist and what that means for us as Catholics and why that makes our faith different and why that gives us this deep hope that all things literally are being made new in Christ. Okay, wait, sister. I mean, Jesus instituted the Eucharist right before he died in the New Testament. What does the story of salvation prior to that have to do with the Eucharist? Well, literally, the whole story of salvation is God's love story for us. It's him seeking after and striving after us, his lost children, after the fall, right? So, like, within the first three chapters of the Bible, this great story of salvation history, um, we lose our relationship with God because of turning away, because of sin. We think about Adam and Eve eating that apple, and that represents that original sin. And all through the story of salvation, God keeps seeking after his lost children. And finally, because they just can't quite stay with him, we just can't quite get the message that we are loved unconditionally and God wants to be with us. He sends his only begotten son and Jesus comes and he is the final sacrifice. And that's what happens in the Paschal Mystery. Jesus lives this perfect gift of self um, to bring us back into relationship with the Trinity um, through the Holy Spirit to the Father. And so at every Mass, we relive that. And so salvation history isn't just within the confines of the Bible, although it feels wrong to even say just, but we're literally living salvation history now. And a study like Jesus in the Eucharist can help us to connect with that reality, and it makes life so much better. Well, Sister, you mentioned that you yourself have, have benefited from these videos. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what what have you been reflecting on? What have you what have you learned? 
from, from being a part of this. Yeah, so I had the chance to, we, um, we sneak previewed the first episode last month that's been floating around and I took the time to sit down and view that. And I think that the two things that really stick out to me are excellence and testimony. You know, when we talk about virtue, living um, a life with good habits, that's what a virtue is, a good and holy habit. Virtue is really about Christian excellence. And I'm just incredibly impressed with the excellence of the production quality. It really draws you in. And I think today, many people um, are not going to watch a video if it's poorly done. And so just right away, the beauty of it, the excellent, uh, excellence of it, Germian. And then what was incredibly impactful for me personally were the incredible testimonies um, that the team was able to um, invite people from all over the country to share at different moments throughout the series. Every episode, there are testimonies that relate to the content of each of each of the of the seven um, of the seven movements of the series. And I was moved to tears, to be honest with you, wow. um, as I watched one of the testimonies in particular. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to be a, a spoiler, so I'm not going to tell any more. But it's amazing to first have your mind formed, but then have your heart moved by how others have encountered the love and the mercy, the reality of God. Um, and that helps us to open our own hearts to that encounter. And that's so important, isn't it? When we think about the Eucharist, it is the body of Christ, but we too are the body of Christ. And so as as members of the body, we should know how others are affected because then we could be affected, as you're just uh, telling us. Absolutely. It's what Paul talks about, you know, what we rejoice with those who rejoice, we weep with those who weep. Um, that's the beauty of the Christian life is that we are united in Christ, our head, and that we can share in the graces that all of us are experiencing. Um, and that's a huge piece of this Eucharistic revival, too. We are not alone. The Lord is always with us, and He has given us this community, this family, the church, um, where we find others who are seeking and striving after the Lord and wanting to walk with Him, that it can encourage and support us along the way. Love it. Sister Alicia Torres, we've got the National Eucharistic Revival linked at sunrisemorningshow.com for listeners to check it out. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, we got another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, and Father Jacob Bertram Janchek will discuss his new podcast on St. Augustine's Confessions. Alvin Louis will share the latest news from his ministry, Courage is a Virtue. I will talk about the life of St. Joseph of Cupertino. The frequent traffic and weather, that's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they're the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. 
theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Married couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio. October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair. 513-383-2974. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. On this Tuesday, the 19th of September, let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you separated the waters and drew forth the dry land. Protect all coast dwellers from the rampages of the sea. You filled the oceans with teeming life. Sustain all who make their living from the sea. You water the earth and bring forth food. Send rain to those places that suffer drought and famine. Lord God of earth and sea, yours is the dry land and yours the water. Have mercy on us who so easily forget that we are not gods, but God's creatures and beloved children. We worship you in all humility as the source of all life. Receive our prayer with loving kindness. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And since it is his feast today, San Gennaro, St. Januarius, pray for us. It's the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Father Frank Donio, who's been going through the spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati. That's the founder of his order. Rob Judge is going to be with us from the uh, Mother Seton Shrine, the Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Uh, they've got some new things going on over there. Looking forward to talking to Rob about those. Steve Ray will discuss more of the hidden sorrows of Mary during this month dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. And then Chris McGregor will dive into the Office of Readings with us. Today she's looking at a reading for the Feast of St. Matthew coming up pretty soon. So. Stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. 
Good morning. A new strike deadline has been announced by the United Auto Workers president, Sean Fain. He says if no substantial progress in contract talks has been made by noon on Friday, September 22nd, this Friday, they will call on more local unions to expand their so-called stand-up strike. Currently, the union has strikes going at three auto plants, one from each of the big three automakers. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly today. Mark Mayfield has more. The White House says Biden will reiterate U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Zelensky is also expected to speak at the meetings ahead of his scheduled visit to the White House on Thursday. This comes as the Biden administration is pushing Congress for more funding for the country's fight against Russia. I'm Mark Mayfield. Five Americans who were imprisoned in Iran are now free. The U.S. agreed to a deal that will give Tehran access to $6 billion of its oil revenue that the U.S. had frozen through sanctions. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has defended the arrangement, stressing there will be rigid restrictions on Iran's ability to use the money. Republicans, though, have accused President Biden of paying ransom to a known state sponsor of terrorism. The U.S. is pledging an additional $11 million to local and international organizations responding to the deadly floods in Libya. In a statement yesterday, President Biden said the State Department and U.S. Agency for International Development will coordinate the delivery of aid, which will help provide support such as water, food, shelter, and medical assistance. Powerful storms hit Libya earlier this month, causing two dams to burst and leading to catastrophic flooding. Thousands are believed to be dead, with thousands more still missing. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports that children and climate change were at the center of his remarks, and he stressed the importance of serving the common good. He said, quote, it is time to find the path of peace, the change for fraternity. He said it's time for weapons to cease and for us to return to dialogue, to diplomacy. Pope Francis also met yesterday with the staff of the Vatican Pharmacy, encouraging them to continue their mission on behalf of the most vulnerable and the sick. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Introducing his address in the Clementine Hall, Pope Francis briefly recalled the history of the Vatican Pharmacy, which was founded in 1874 as a pharmaceutical dispensary for the Pope and the Cardinals by blessed Pope Pius IX. The dispensary was entrusted to the Brothers Hospitallers of St. John of God, commonly known in Italian as Fate Bene Fratelli, who for over four centuries have been carrying out a wide range of health service activities around the world. In time, the pharmacy has extended its services not only to Vatican employees and residents of Vatican City, but also to other people who need particular medicines which can't be found elsewhere. Today, more than 50% of the people it serves comes from outside Vatican City. Thanking the Fate Bene Fratelli and all the staff of the pharmacy for their dedication, Pope Francis remarked that their service differs from that offered by other pharmacies, not only because it serves the Pope and the Roman Curia, but also because it requires a supplement of charity towards the most vulnerable and the sick. Yours is not a job, it's a mission, he said. He referred in particular to the many elderly people whom they deal with every day and who, he noted, often need not only medicine but attention and a word of comfort. Non dimentichiamo questo l'apostolato delle orecchie, no? 
Don't forget the apostolate of listening. At times it seems boring, but for the person speaking, it is a caress from God through you, he said. Concluding, Pope Francis invited the audience to raise their eyes every now and then towards the crucifix, reminding them that their service to the sick is a service to him. I am Lisa Zengarini. And Elon Musk is hinting at a subscription fee for all users of the X, formerly known as Twitter, social media platform. Bloomberg reports Musk recently told Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that X will be moving to a, quote, small monthly payment. He claimed a subscription fee would be the only way to put a stop to bot accounts on the platform. Uh, Matt, your thoughts? I, uh, I don't... Would you pay to have no. Twitter? I mean... I feel I... like Elon... You know what? I feel like this is almost a Cyrus the Great moment in oh, no. our continuing story of salvation history in that this man... He might make a whole unbeknownst... bunch of people detach unbeknownst to himself has just created the ability for someone to walk away from twitter i don't I, and I'm, i I'm feel just like the world you know is how long i've been be on twitter place i've been on twitter since 2008 that's 15 years that's, Matt. A, that's a long time maybe i should walk away Maybe well, I should stop it at if Grateful Elon's, Feet 4177. If Elon is about to, you know, start charging you to make a grateful tweet. I don't need to make it to 5,000. I don't need to. Not for me. It's eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always great to catch up with Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. CatholicApostolateCenter.org is linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Father, welcome back. Good morning, Matt. So we've been talking about the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati. Of course, he's the founder of the order that you're a part of. And uh, there's some great stuff in his story about uh, really the idea of faith and works uh, in harmony with one another. Um, not just being a doer of the, I mean, uh, not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. I mean, how big of an emphasis was this in the life of St. Vincent Pilati? He believed that every everyone was called to be an apostle. And so those uh, people of faith were called to live as apostles. And we have to understand, this is the 1830s in Rome. And th that understanding, which is very common, a common understanding today within the church, certainly was not then. And he himself was out in the streets. He would preach out in the streets. He would be with the poor. He believed in reviving faith and rekindling charity because he just saw what people were doing to one another. He saw the effects of revolution. He saw the effects of, of people just throwing off their faith. And so he, he wanted Catholics to live as apostles to be able to go forth. And that included priests because he really worked closely with, with seminarians and priests to be faithful with religious. He was spiritual director of many different convents and, and worked with many different religious communities. And he especially wanted lay people to live in this way. Well, as I look through uh, the portal that you have over at the Catholic Apostolate Center that really kind of run down, runs down the life of St. Vincent Pilati, and I look at some of the things he was involved in, and I think about how many of these things we just are content to have sort of government programs for and not be involved in as church a lot of the times, um, dealing with the poor, the sick, um, you know, dealing with people who have lost their parents, homeless shelters, uh, helping 
soldiers who've come back from battle, um, helping workers to, you know, have better working conditions and balance their life and their work better, working with prisoners, <laughs> you know, all these things. You know, I think sometimes we are content to say, oh, there's a program for that. And it does not seem to me that St. Vincent Pilati was was content to handle, to, to turn the work of the church over to somebody else. Well, to this day, the church is involved in all of those things through Catholic charities, through its various, uh, through prison ministries, through all sorts of different ministries that the, that the church conducts to this day. Pilati, though, did, did all of those things and many others because there was this need. He, be, he believed that, that we could work together. He was very, in many ways, very entrepreneurial. And he believed that he could gather people together to take care of a, uh, the needs of other people. And that and that was really, uh, he, he didn't try to just do this on his own. He was out in the streets with others and care, and doing these things, but he, he didn't believe that this was an individual thing. He could get people together. And then often he would step out of the way. And he, many times he didn't put his name on these things. It wasn't about him. It was about the infinite glory of God. That's what it was about. And yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think um you know maybe what I'm getting at as I'm trying to think about my own weaknesses in this area is how easy it is for me to say, well, this is being handled, <laughs> right? And point to somebody else who's handling it and it uh you know that's that's you know as you talk about what he's emphasizing is that this idea of being involved in your own uh you know sort of charitable acts, uh this this idea of it's not enough to say, you know, be warm, be well fed. It's you know, we're all kind of all called to do this. You know, this is coming from an evangelical background of a sort of, you know, the basic air that we breathe that, all right, you know, you prayed the prayer, now let's get you involved. And, uh, you know, it seems to me like St. Vincent Pilati was trying to speak uh, not just to the people of his day, but the people of our day, that, you know, it's not enough for you to say, I'm a baptized person and I go to Mass. I mean, there's more to it than that. No, there's, a, and there always has been. And, and I think that that is one of the beauties of Catholicism. And, that, and that's why we do all of these. People will say, well, why do you do these? Why, does, why do Catholics do these things? You know, other, some other communities, they'll expect that people will assent to faith by, by the various charitable works that are done. Catholicism does not do that. We are about the, the care and dignity of the human person from conception to natural death. And so therefore Catholics are called, and Pilate was a witness to this and, and organized this, Catholics are called to engage in, in this way. Not just simply individually, there's all kinds of opportunities that are there that I think, you know, because people maybe just simply go to their own parish, they don't even realize that. But there's probably opportunities within their own parish that that are possibilities. There are groups. Knights of Columbus are one of the one of the groups that, that I certainly work with. And part of the reason is is that here's a group of lay people who are trying to not only evangelize by their by their lives, but, but through their charity. So there are all these opportunities that are there, and Pilate tried to to emphasize that uh, in a significant way as an apostle. Yeah, I think that people would probably be surprised if they read far enough to the back of the bulletin at how many opportunities do exist in their own backyards, <laughs> right? How yes. many committees yeah. only have like three or four people involved in them, and it's the same three or four people on all the committees, uh, and that the, the opportunities really are there in our own communities and in our own parishes. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can we can kind of coast or we can really, you know, see what the need is. And it, I think because of the variety too, I mean, it gives us an opportunity to see what those different gifts are. I mean, not every one of us is a St. Vincent Pilate who has, you know, sort of those skills in every single area, as it seems pastorally, but we've all got something. Yes, exactly. And whole families can do some of these things. This could be a family. I, I know families who do that. 
that and it, it, it's a beautiful way for the families to also witness their faith by by caring for others and and then they start to realize oh it's not all about me myself and i in a very sometimes individualistic society well, how am i caring for the community how am i caring for the people who are right around me well and that's one of the great things about for example saint vincent de paul societies right because the first mission of the saint vincent de paul society in your area is to help the people in your area right yes so, exactly yeah well vincent Pilati, what a great model uh in regard to this i know we're going to hit other aspects of his spirituality but what a great encouragement today to just go and even click around our parish website and see what the opportunities are uh, because if we're baptized we're on mission so uh, if our listeners want to see more about Vincent Pilati at the Catholic Apostolate Center and your order how do they do so Father? Just go to catholicapostolatecenter.org Of course that's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com tons and tons of great practical resources over at the Catholic Apostolate Center We're back with headlines right after this it is 16 past Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God. And now there's no more fear. There's just acceptance. And I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following his rules. And your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. A new strike deadline for Friday has been announced by the United Auto Workers president. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the, Glint the Clinton Global Initiative. And the Holy Father has also entrusted his upcoming visit to Marseille, France, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim along with Anna Mitchell. And yesterday on our Facebook page, uh, we put it out there. What's a prayer or song so beloved to you that you have it memorized, but you completely blank on it when you're trying to lead a group of people in it? Uh, there are a few people here who I uh, 
I can very much relate to who have the act of contrition completely memorized. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to that point and uh, you're you're called upon to say, all right, yeah, and you've just received absolution and it's time for you to make your act of contrition. A lot of that, a lot of the times I'm kind of emotionally destroyed. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. the uh, the sheer relief of absolution that I uh, I relate to to Anne on here, who says that she she messes it up every single time. <laughs> I mess it up whenever I've made a good confession. I mean, yeah. the nice thing about the act of contrition is that you could just say, like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, it's not like there's some there are a few exact that you prayer there. that you have to that you have to pray there at the end. I know we all have the say one you're that sorry, you learned. Say you're going to, uh, you know, have a firm purpose of amendment. Mm-hmm. A few of those things have to be in there. but uh, Right. But, you know, but, the, my God, I am sorry for my sins with all my heart and choosing to do wrong and failing to do good. I have sinned against you whom I should love above all things. I firmly intend with your help to do penance, to sin no more, and to avoid. I say this more meaningfully. When you I'm reading this on a piece of paper? To right avoid now, whatever leads me to sin. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, suffered and died for us. In his name, my God, have mercy. I was trying to say it fast, but, like, you don't get that and that's the one that I learned when I was in fourth grade when I made my first confession but like I don't think God is going to rescind the forgiveness if you you know get it wrong yeah or like if you miscount on a rosary our lady's not gonna be like ah that's it Hail Mary's you know what all the graces rescinded we do we all do our best we do and God does the rest and they understand Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and I'm joined now by Rob Judge, who is Executive Director at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Rob, welcome back. 
Good morning, Matt. I'm so glad to be on. Yeah, I'm glad that you're on, too, because you've got some exciting things happening uh, this weekend, actually, at the Seton Shrine, and I'm actually hoping to be there for some of it. But tell us what's going on. Absolutely. So we are opening a brand-new visitor center and museum um, dedicated to the life of Elizabeth Ann Seton with just some amazing artifacts, a lot of new technology that will make her writings accessible, and new video to share and, and tell her story anew. All right, so what's happening on Friday then? So on Friday, we're going to open up uh, at 10 o'clock, which is our normal time. Our normal hours are 10 to 5, seven days a week. And then we're going to be having a special mass at 1.30 uh, with Archbishop Lori. That will be also televised um, live across the Internet. So if people are um, not in our area or able to come, they can tune in. And then at 3 o'clock, we're, we're going to be cutting the ribbon uh, out in front of the new visitor center uh, with the archbishop. So a very fun, exciting full day. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, for people who have never been to uh, the Seton Shrine, it's it, first of all, it's in an amazing sort of geographical location. The drive up there is beautiful <laughs> uh, or down there, depending Thank on, you. you know, where you where you happen to be coming from. Uh, but also, you know, when someone thinks museum, they don't necessarily, you know, have in their mind a whole bunch of exciting stuff. But you have a lot of exciting things already before you revamp this. Right. You have got things like, you know, her old dancing shoes from when she was a socialite and her wedding ring and a chunk of. That's right. uh, the altar rail where she received First Communion. But what are some of the new features uh, that people will be able to see? So um, new in the exhibit will be things like her bonnet and shawl. So the you know the actual iconic bonnet that Mother Seton is pictured in, uh, her, her habit, and it's the only known part of her habit to exist. This was um, given to the shrine by the Sisters of Charity of New York specifically for this exhibit, and of course signifies her religious life and service of that she gave to the church. We also have the christening gown that she used to baptize her daughter, Catherine Seton. Uh, we have the, the tea chest that her father, Dr. Bailey, used. Uh, we have wedding miniatures, so her and Will gave to one another um, pictures of themselves uh, on the occasion of their wedding, and that's the only known um, picture painted in her lifetime, so it's believed to be a real likeness of, of her. Wow, that is that's pretty cool. Well, and, and also too, you know, I imagine. Uh, I mean, every time I go up there, I see a lot of Catholics who are there for devotional reasons. But there are a lot of people who visit the Seat and Shrine who may not be Catholic, but but understand that this is a really interesting window into American history in general, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, we don't know exactly, but we believe about a third of the visitors to the Seat and Shrine are actually not Catholic. And you're exactly right. She connects with people of all different faiths. You know, first because of just the historical significance of what she did, um, you know, founding a school, founding a religious community that took care of the poor across the country. I mean, essentially, as America grew up, her sisters who came here from Emmitsburg uh, were growing up taking care of the poor across this country with hospitals and orphanages. And she's just a real powerhouse um, when you consider her faith, certainly, but also just as um, an amazing woman. Uh, who accomplished so much is at a at a time when that was not common for women. Well, there are going to be some people in our listening area who will want to come down uh, for either Friday or after the exhibit opens. Uh, if our listeners want to connect and get more information about this, uh, do you want to throw some details out? Yes, thank you. Um, so the, the people can go to our website, first of all, seatonshrine.org. There's a special link on there on the new museum. You can see all of our upcoming events. Um, and, of course, you can also um, just go, if you're on Facebook, just type in Seton Shrine, uh, National Shrine, Elizabeth Ann Seton, either one. 
and you'll come to our Facebook page, which also has all the events and information about the exhibits. And we're open seven days a week and would love people to come and, and experience this new uh, new museum. Well, and not to uh, not to bury kind of the main headline here, but like that's where she is, right? I mean, this is where her moral yeah. remains are. And you can walk yeah. right up to them in the chapel, which is incredible to me. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we mar- we market the shrine as the home of a saint because it's where she, not only where she lived, worked, prayed, toiled, uh, passed from this life to the next, but it, exactly right. She is entombed in the side altar of the basilica, and, and this is the only location in America where you can visit the home of a saint. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, pretty I, cool. I love it. And and Mother Seton has just says she just got so much to say to uh, you know families who are dealing with family stuff, to people who are trying to live their Catholic faith vibrantly when a lot of people around them may not understand why they're trying to do so. But uh, you know, if you could just throw that uh, website out one more time so our uh, listeners can uh, can connect, and and I'm hoping to be there as well so i'm looking forward to seeing you and um, listeners can can go to seatonshrine.org for all the information on on the shrine the new museum and our upcoming event and archbishop laurie will be uh there on friday as well it's just such a cool place uh you know there's i can't get to italy <laughs> you know i can't get to <laughs> some of these other places where people are surrounded by saints but i can get to emmitsburg so i'm going to do so thank you so much rob judge executive director of the national shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Appreciate your time. See you soon. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Matt. Bye now. And again, we don't have that many American saints. Uh, we got a handful. We got a bunch in the pipeline, uh, but we've got one within driving distance of a bunch of y'all. So uh, if you've never been to Mother Seton Shrine or St. John Neumann Shrine or Catherine Drexel or some of the other great saints, uh, you can go visit these people. And uh, I encourage you to do so. Seatonshrine.org, link at Sunrise Morning Show. Mother Seton, pray for us. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly later this morning. The White House says Biden will reiterate U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is also expected to speak at the meetings ahead of a scheduled visit he has to the White House on Thursday. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers is now heading into its fifth day. Trey Thomas reports. Reports say the union has met with Ford, GM, and Stellantis with little to no progress on a new contract. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. They're demanding better pay and pension benefits. I'm Trey Thomas. The Marine Corps is suspending flights for two days after an F-35 disappeared for hours when a pilot ejected over South Carolina on Sunday. Debris from the plane was eventually found around 100 miles north of Charleston, but the incident has raised questions about how the military could lose a multi-million dollar fighter jet. A spokesperson from Joint Base Charleston, where the aircraft was based, said the plane's transponder was not working, making it nearly impossible to track. The pilot was taken to a local medical facility and is in stable condition. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports children and climate change were at the center of his remarks, and he stressed the importance of serving the common good. He said, quote, it is time to find the path of peace, the change for fraternity. He said it's time for weapons to cease and for us to return to dialogue 
to diplomacy. Pope Francis has entrusted his upcoming visit to Marseille, France, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Vatican News reports the Holy Father paid his usual visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to pray before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani. Pope Francis will be traveling to Marseille at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. During his Sunday Angelus address, he called this an opportunity to promote fraternity and asked for the prayers of the faithful. The Holy Father yesterday met with members of the Daughters of Divine Zeal and the Rogationists of the Heart of Jesus. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock has more. It was one particular passage of the Gospel, Pope Francis noted, which inspired the Sicilian nobleman Hannibal Maria di Francia to abandon his wealth and found both the Daughters of Divine Zeal and the Rogationist Fathers. This verse, which the Pope read aloud to those present, comes from the Gospel of Matthew. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This line, he said, filled St. Hannibal's heart with zeal. Given the poverty with which he was surrounded, this Italian nobleman felt, like Jesus, an intense compassion for humanity. His first reaction, the Pope explained, was to pray. Not, he stressed, in order to convince God to send pastors, as if he did not already care for his flock, but in order that we might be ever more overwhelmed by the intensity of God's love for us, that we might learn through prayer, that is, to be sensitive to the needs of his children. Prayer, Pope Francis stressed, is the red thread that runs through the life of Saint Hannibal. It was in prayer, moreover, that the Sicilian saint received his vocation. Indeed, the Pope reflected, when you put yourself meek and humble before God, you are often gifted with a specific understanding of your own life. This, at least, was Saint Hannibal's experience. But it applies to everyone. Without prayer, you can't get by. You don't know where you're going. So it's important to have a prolonged dialogue with the Lord every day and to appeal to him before every important moment, every meeting, every decision. Bringing his address to an end, Pope Francis laid aside his prepared remarks and spoke of the script. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your witness. Thank you, he continued, for your hands, which are joined in prayer. Not glued, no, because afterwards they have to go to work, but joined. Please continue to pray for vocations. I'm Joseph Tullock. Thousands of people believe Hawaii's planned date of October 8th is too soon to reopen West Maui to tourists following the deadly wildfires there. A petition urging the state to cancel that plan has received 3,600 signatures as of late Sunday, all signed within less than 24 hours. Governor Josh Green's office says come October 8th, no one who qualified for housing assistance will be booted out of hotels. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of San Gennaro. 
Tuesday, September the 19th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be another really nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 40s, lower 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny skies today with a high of 78 degrees. A few clouds and pleasant tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny and warmer tomorrow with a high of 83 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, cloudy skies this morning, partly cloudy this afternoon, and high of 76 degrees. Some passing clouds tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 84 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, uh, joined now by Steve Ray, who's been going through the hidden sorrows of Our Lady during this month of September, dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. Steve, good morning. Greetings. I'm calling you. For, uh, we're talking. I'm in the Judean wilderness by Qumran in the northern tip of the Dead Sea with 52 people in the bus here. And I told them all I'm going to be on your show, and they all knew about you guys and were cheering. So just so you'll know. Well, we got to get him to say hello at the end of this segment, uh, for sure. Okay. Uh, but I will. we've been going through these uh, these hidden sorrows of Ma- uh, of Mary, and a lot of them are connected with events that we're very familiar with. Uh, I feel this first sorrow we're going to talk about today deeply because I have hosted parties where I did not have enough stuff. <laughs> so the, the, the <laughs> wedding at Cana, you've connected this with one of the hidden sorrows of Mary. Yes, it's a, it's a joyful. She, Jesus makes the water into wine, does his first sign, his first miracle. But to me, I see a sorrow of Mary because Joseph has already died. She lives with her son in a cave in Nazareth. They wake up every morning on their mats. She cooks him breakfast. She feeds him. She loves this young man, Jesus. She sends him off to work every day. And he was a carpenter doing probably stonemason. And she waited for him to come over the hill in the, in the evening when he came home. And she rushed in and get her dinner for him and everything. And was very looking forward to having him with her again in the evening. But when she's in Cana, he's 30 years old. And she says, they have no wine. And he says, woman, what does that have to do with you and I? My hour is not yet come. In other words, not time for me to start my earthly ministry yet. And she doesn't even talk to him. She turns and says to the waiters, do whatever he tells you, and she walks away. Now, I think that she had tears in her eyes when she said, do whatever he tells you, because she, once he makes that wine, water into wine, the world's going to see his divinity, and he's now going to be out serving his heavenly father, and he's not going to be coming home to Mary in the cave anymore. He's going to move to Capernaum. So when she says, do whatever he tells you, what she's really saying is, goodbye, my son. And she's got tears in her eyes as she walks away. And the next day, she's going to look over the hill, and he's not going to be coming home for dinner with her. And I think that was a sorrow, because now he leaves her cave, and he's going to be going for three years all over the land, preaching and teaching, and she's not going to have access to him daily like she did before. Yeah, I mean, every parent who sent their kid off to college knows a, a, a hint and a shadow and an echo of that feeling. Um, yep. But there's some other things in here, too, that have to do with, with, uh, with family sorrows, because once Jesus starts that ministry, not everybody receives it that well. Yes, this is another sorrow of Mary. Imagine you live in a little village, a backwater village, no main street going through it, and you live in a town of maybe 200 people. Many of them are your relatives, your family, cousins, uncles, and so on, and your friends. You've been living with these people your whole life in Nazareth, 
And then one day Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he says, he reads Isaiah and he said, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the, I am the Messiah. This, I'm the one he was talking to. And they said, wait a minute, you lived with us for 30 years. You're telling us you're the Messiah. And they get so incensed and angry, they grab him and they take him over to the cliff to throw him down the cliff and kill him. Now, Mary's watching all of this. How does she relate to those people the next morning? The women have to all go together to the well. It's 15 minutes walk away. Mary is walking 15 minutes. Did she go with the women that next day? They just tried to kill her son. They just denied her and her son tried to kill him. How does Mary now relate to those townspeople and relatives that she's lived with for all those 30 years? That is a sorrow, too. Just think of the emotions that are involved around that. It is uh, one of those things that you don't really think about. I mean... Even an evangelical, right, who doesn't have the devotion that we have to uh, the Blessed Mother would still say, you know what, and when you think about it, I mean, this is not, this is not something that's just isolated and happens only with Christ, right? Uh, the people who are close to him see this and are affected by it. Even yeah. the people who follow him, you know, are going to accept in some ways that kind of, that kind of rejection. But let's talk about this seventh sorrow uh, where Mary's worried that Jesus is, has gone off the rails or is being told, at least, that he's gone off the rails. Yes, this is, this is another one that I, I just was reading, and I thought she had to be sorrowful about this as well. She's up in Nazareth. It's a day's walk away from Capernaum. She gets message that your son is demented. That word, and in, in the Greek word means he's gone out of his mind. He's gone crazy. He's demented. He's insane. And she, what are you talking about? So it said that she comes down. It would have taken her a day to get down. And I'll tell you right now, we're down in the Judean wilderness. It's 95. It's going up to 105 today. It's hot in this part of the country this time of year. She comes all the way down to Capernaum, and she goes to see what's wrong with her son. Well, here's what's wrong. He is surrounded by people, thousands of them. They come from all over, from the other side of the Sea of Galilee, from up in Lebanon of today. They all come down to be healed by him, to get free food. And, they, and what, she can't even get to him. The reason they think he's demented is he's touching lepers. He's dealing with Gentiles. He's not eating or sleeping or drinking because he's so compassionate for these people. And he's probably sweating profusely. And he's working so hard to be uh, merciful. And Mary can't even get to him because of the crowds. That had to also be a great sorrow for her, seeing her son being pressed to the limits in his humanity by the crowds of people, and her son just keeps ministering and serving them and touching lepers and things that Jews just are not supposed to do. And she is sorrowful because she can't even reach him and say, son, what what are you doing? Can I help you? Well, I feel like there's a theme in a lot of the, the sorrows that we're mentioning today in that Mary is sort of letting Jesus go and do what he's got to do, right? And she can't be yes. uh, over over him, you know, handling his every move, taking care of him in every way. And this, this story of the ascension as a sorrow of Mary, I think, really drives that home. It does, too, because Mary, yes, Jesus has been busy for three years. She doesn't have much access to him like she did, but at least she can see him there. She can see through the crowd, there's my son. And once in a while, she can get up close enough and they can talk. And I'm sure Jesus went and visited mom frequently. But, but now, at the, after the crucifixion, he dies and is buried. She loses him for three days in the tomb. Those are one of the regular seven sorrows of Mary. We already know those. But now, 40 days later, he, is, he goes up into heaven. He ascends into heaven. 
And it has to be a sorrow for a mother who gave birth to that body. That man right there has her DNA, her genetic code. She gave him all the cells of his body through breastfeeding for the first three years of his life. She fed him and took care of him and washed his clothes for those 30 years plus. And now she watches that body, because he does. He goes into heaven with his body. And she says goodbye to her son in a new way because she watches him go up and don't think that he didn't look back at his mom and she would have waved to him and now he's gone. Now, of course, everybody's glad and joyful that he's in heaven and that he's going back to the father. She knows that, but her son is no longer physically present with her. And that has to be a great sorrow for her. It is a powerful thing to think about. Again, we we, we talk about these stories, we hear the readings, uh, but I don't think we always think of the implications of uh, right. how the people who were there were affected by this. And this really is a cool way to reflect on uh, Our Lady of Sorrows during this month dedicated to her. And yep. of course, we know the main sorrows that are, are talked about very clearly in Scripture, and these are talked about kind of by implication. But Steve, I know you got a busy day with lots of pilgrims hanging out. Do yeah. we get to? Can they say hello to us? Yes. They want to they wanna say hello to all the EWTN listeners. This is Matt Swaim on Sunrise Morning Show. So do you guys like that show? Do you want to say hello to EWTN? Wow, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a lot of people, think, Steve. <laughs> yeah, we got 50, 52 people here, and I think there's some fans here for your show. <laughs> well, you tell them to pray for us. If they really love us, they'll pray for us while they're over there. So thank you so much, yep. Steve. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. Talk to you next week. Again, Steve Ray's site linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We're back with Chris McGregor right after this. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. This is Dr. David Anders. Join us for an engaging hour of questions and answers about the Catholic faith on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 
It's 12 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing just fine. Always excited to get to talk to you as uh, we continue to look at selections from the Office of Readings each week. And the one you've chosen for this week is for the September 21st Feast of St. Matthew the Apostle. Why did you want to talk about him, Chris? He's one of my heroes. Hmm. I just think as a man of faith and a witness to the importance of the gospel and evangelization, Matthew stands so tall in our Christian salvation history. He's, you know, in contrast to the one that, you remember the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus? In the the gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Exactly. Tells that story. He can't give up what he has. He walks away despairing. What is Matthew? Matthew is a man who has, he's accumulated wealth. He's not unlike so many men today who encountering Jesus, not only in as Vid the Venerable would tell us, uh, not only will he uh, hear the call to follow him, but he imitates the pattern of his life, the life of Jesus, and follows him. What a witness, especially for guys today, don't you think? Most definitely. And this uh, this selection here, a sermon from St. Bede the Venerable, the Venerable Bede, um, how does he reflect on the calling of St. Matthew? Well, it's it's so telling because he, uh, of course, Bede is the, the father of English history uh, who lived in the 600s. And even then they un- understood the importance of Matthew's witness. He said that Matthew, not merely in the usual sense, but more significantly with his merciful understanding of men, Jesus calls him. And he says, um, with those eyes of mercy, follow me. And so he chooses Matthew, Matthew who could have just uh, uh, came to come to learn more, didn't because he did more because of the light of grace that filled him. And he responded with a resounding yes. And not only did he follow Jesus, but then he invited others almost immediately yeah. upon his, in the first steps in faith, as uh, Bede will say, he um, gathers others so that they too can hear the message of Jesus. And at that time, that was a tremendous step. I mean, that consider how he might have been pl- called the fool, how he might have been called the idiot for doing that. And yet he stepped up and, and gathered all those in his home so that the Lord could touch their hearts as well. You know what I really find I don't know if amusing is the right word here, like incredible that uh, that St. Bede puts in here. He's like, there's no reason to be surprised that this tax collector would abandon her. I mean, this this points to the faith of Bede, I think. No Mm -hmm. surprise that a tax collector would abandon earthly wealth as soon as the Lord commanded him, nor should one be amazed that neglecting his wealth, he joined a band of men whose leader had on Matthew's assessment no riches at all. Our Lord summoned Matthew by speaking to him in words. And I mean, I don't know if this is what St. Bede is getting at in this, but I mean, you and I were just talking about how in Wow, how incredible it is that Matthew would get up and leave all of that wealth. Like we are so caught up in that wealth and we've got we we have some need for repentance um, just as readily as as Matthew did. I think he's uh, incredibly relatable 
Matthew, as he is depicted in the scriptures, as that businessman who, you know, this gathering of of people he collected. I mean, I couldn't help but think of guys who gather on a Monday to watch football Mm -hmm. in the evening or something like that. But instead, he gathers them all together to hear this preacher. Yeah. and to learn from them. And why, why I say that's an important witness is that there have been depictions of Matthew recently as someone who is a victim and or who is disabled and that Jesus needed to come and call him so he could protect him and let him shine as he was. But here is Matthew actually depicted in the scriptures as an everyman, yeah. a man who has has everything, and yet he, in his own strength, gives it all away. He makes a conscious choice to follow the master and not just to follow him, but to live like him and to begin evangelization even before um, there is a a call to after the after uh, Pentecost. He, he trusts in the message so much that he will bring his friends to come in here. That's the type of witness that we need in today's um, uh, Christian men to do that and to respond even deeper in that conversion. I think that's why Matthew, as he is depicted, actually depicted in the scriptures, is a very compelling, compelling figure that we can't lose sight of. Yeah, we can't let revisionist history get in the way of of reality here. I mean, Matthew is an icon of repentance and forgiveness. Oh, Absolutely. He, uh, I, I, this last paragraph, I just to pull a, a couple sources out of it. He says, on hearing Christ's voice, we open the door. Now he's talking to all of us. On hearing Christ's voice, we open the door to receive him, as it were, when we freely assent to his promptings and we give ourselves over to doing what must be done. Christ, since he dwells in the hearts of his chosen ones through the grace of his love, enters so that he might eat with us and with him. Mm. It it is so it, it's about preparing our own banquet, not just of the of the banquet we invite friends, but the banquet we prepare in our own hearts to receive him with a kind of joy, openness and eager response that Matthew of the actual scriptures actually depicts for us. I think that we cannot lose that. That is just too important. He's too strong of a model for us, don't you think? Oh, I completely agree, and I'm so glad that you are addressing this this issue, Chris. I mean, I wanted to I wanted to to quote those parts that you were just reading here at the end of of this piece in the Office of Readings by Saint Pete the Venerable, because you, you think about it, we may not all be tax collectors, all of us, but we are all sinners, and we want to sit, or we should want to sit and dine at that table. We want Jesus to come dine with us the sinners sit at our table we need to invite him that's right he's knocking at the door isn't he yes he is right right there at the doors of our heart right there at the doors of our heart just like he did with saint matthew he's telling all of us come follow me and it's our decision whether we're going to get up and follow him go dine at that table or not We've been talking to Chris McGregor, and you can find her website, discerninghearts.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you, St. Matthew. Pray for us. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Happy Feast of San Gennaro. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow on a Wednesday EWTN. 
May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Dr. Joseph Sala will share the latest news from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Alan Migliorato will discuss the danger of judging the parenting skills of others. I'll talk about the necessity to forgive. Plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to praise the King. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul Cincinnati answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug tested, and background checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. We're continuing our way on this Tuesday, September the 19th. It is the Feast of St. Januarius in Italian, San Gennaro. Let's begin this hour praying through his intercession. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Gennaro, brave of faith in Jesus Christ, glorious patron of Catholic Naples, look upon us benignly and accept our vows that today we lie at your feet with total confidence in your powerful patronage. 
How many times have you run to help your fellow citizens, now stopping in the path of destructive lava at Vesuvius, now saving us from plague, earthquakes, famine, and many other punishments that terrify us? The perpetual miracle of the liquefaction of your blood is a sure and extremely eloquent sign that you live among us, that you know our needs, and that you protect us in a singular way. Oh, we pray to you, pray for us, sure that we will be answered and saved from all the evils that oppress us from all directions. Save us from unbelief, and you will see that the faith by which you have generously sacrificed your life always produces fertile fruits of saints made among us. Amen. San Gennaro, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 3 of the Sunrise Morning Show here exclusively for our Sacred Heart Radio audience listening on 7.40 a.m. and 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online and via the Sacred Heart Radio app. We are so happy to have you along with us on this Feast of San Gennaro. Saint, very important to me. If you were listening in our first hour, you would have heard a little bit of the testimony of that. So you'll just have to go back and listen to the podcast. So we don't have time. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about this hour coming up. Kevin Schmeezing will join us for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history. We'll talk to Dr. Jared Stout, continuing our uh, series on his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Today, we are going to be talking about Eucharistic saints and how uh, they can help revive in us a love and devotion to the Eucharist. Gia Shakan will be joining us from For the Martyrs, which is an organization um, that works with In Defense of Christians. You may remember In Defense of Christians, and uh, they've got a big event coming up at the end of the month that she is going to be telling us about. And then we will wrap things up with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, and uh, this is continuing our Old Testament Bible study with Ascension Press's A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. Today, we are going to be talking about the second book of Kings, and a lot happens in the second book of Kings. There will be much to discuss at the end of the hour. Right now, it's three minutes past, and news is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. United Auto Workers' strike against the big three U.S. automakers is now entering its fifth day. Reports say the union has met with Ford, GM, and Stellantis in recent days with little to no progress on a new contract. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. They're demanding better pay and pension benefits. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly today. Mark Mayfield has more. The White House says Biden will reiterate U.S. support for for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Zelensky is also expected to speak at the meetings ahead of a scheduled visit to the White House on Thursday. This comes as the Biden administration is pushing Congress for more funding for the country's fight against Russia. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Marine Corps is suspending flights for two days after an F-35 disappeared for hours when a pilot ejected over South Carolina on Sunday. Debris from the plane was eventually found about 100 miles north of Charleston, but the incident has raised questions about how the military could lose a multi-million dollar fighter jet. A spokesperson from Joint Base Charleston, where the aircraft was based, said the plane's transponder wasn't working, making it nearly impossible to track. The pilot was taken to a local medical facility and is in stable condition. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports that children 
and climate change were at the center of his remarks, and he stressed the importance of serving the common good. He said it is time to find the path of peace, the change for fraternity. He said it's time for weapons to cease and for us to return to dialogue to diplomacy. The Pope also met yesterday with the staff of the Vatican Pharmacy, encouraging them to continue their mission on behalf of the most vulnerable and the sick. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Introducing his address in the Clementine Hall, Pope Francis briefly recalled the history of the Vatican Pharmacy, which was founded in 1874 as a pharmaceutical dispensary for the Pope and the Cardinals by blessed Pope Pius IX. The dispensary was entrusted to the Brothers Hospitallers of St. John of God, commonly known in Italian as Fate Bene Fratelli, who for over four centuries have been carrying out a wide range of health service activities around the world. In time, the pharmacy has extended its services not only to Vatican employees and residents of Vatican City, but also to other people who need particular medicines which can't be found elsewhere. Today, more than 50% of the people it serves comes from outside Vatican City. Thanking the Fate Bene Fratelli and all the staff of the pharmacy for their dedication, Pope Francis remarked that their service differs from that offered by other pharmacies, not only because it serves the Pope and the Roman Curia, but also because it requires a supplement of charity towards the most vulnerable and the sick. Yours is not a job, it's a mission, he said. He referred in particular to the many elderly people whom they deal with every day and who, he noted, often need not only medicine but attention and a word of comfort. Don't forget the apostolate of listening. At times it seems boring, but for the person speaking it is a caress from God through you, he said. Concluding, Pope Francis invited the audience to raise their eyes every now and then towards the crucifix, reminding them that their service to the sick is a service to him. I am Lisa Zengarini. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right, well, uh, Reds fans got exactly what the doctor ordered. Reds picked up a big 7-3 win over the Minnesota Twins to help the playoff push. Connor Phillips, rookie. Go figure, you've heard that before. He earned his first win of the season after striking out seven batters, allowed just two runs on three hits in seven innings. Will Benson had a home run, three RBIs. Joey Votto also drove in two. Reds tied with the Chicago Cubs. For the final NL wildcard spot, Reds and Twins go back at it tonight. How about week two of the NFL season? It's concluded as of uh, yesterday. The New Orleans Saints defeated the Carolina Panthers 20-17 to in an NFC South showdown. Saints improved to 2-0. Panthers dropped to 0-2. And then uh, there was another Monday night football game. Saw the Steelers extend their Monday night football home win streak to 21 straight games following a 26-22 win over the Browns. And uh, the bad news is Cleveland Browns star running back Nick Chubb went down with a major knee injury in the second quarter. Uh, He had carried the ball 10 times for 64 yards. His season is done. Former UC running back Jerome Ford filled in and rushed 16 times for 106 yards while adding in some receiving uh, scores as well, uh, or a receiving score. Uh, Both teams set at one and one. Bengals unsure if we're going to have uh, Joe Burrow back for week three. Against. What? Yep. Bengals. His calf? 
Uh, oh, is that on the bottom of my sheet? Yeah. Uh, no. So uh, Bengals are hoping to. Yeah, his calf. Uh, it's hard oh, to say whether he'll be back. Uh, the 26-year-old aggravated his calf injury during the uh, week two loss to the Ravens. Bengals sit at 0-2 but have an extra day of rest for Joey B because uh, the Bengals will play on Monday Night Football against the Rams. Still opening up as uh, six-point favorites, though, uh, hmm. with this Joe Burrow news, I'm sure. Uh, things can change there uh, from Vegas's point of Maybe view. Maybe they're just trying to keep Los Angeles guessing. Uh, well, yeah, they definitely have me guessing uh, yeah, so yeah. far, so we shall see. There is no, uh, there is no um, point spread <sighs> right now for that game. All right, well, anywho, we get uh, on to bigger and better things here. Traffic, a service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Tell me something good, Anna. Oh, no, sorry. Got a lot of slow traffic right now. Not sure why. Maybe there were some earlier accidents. None reported right now, so that's the good news. Southbound 75, though, you are running slow from just past State Route 129. Down toward Sharon Road, you clear up for a little bit, and then you're slowing down again as you head through the Lachlan split. Southbound 71 on the brakes from Kings Island on down to the Norwood Lateral. Northbound 71-75, you're slowing from Burlington Pike up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471, slowing from 275 up to the river. Uh, westbound 275 is slow from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. Eastbound 74, you're on the brakes from North Bend into the 75 interchange, and you're slowing from there northbound up to the Norwood Lateral. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 78 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 83. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, cloudy this morning, partly cloudy this afternoon, a high of 76. Some passing clouds tonight and an overnight low of 56, mostly sunny skies tomorrow, and a high of 84 degrees. Today is Tuesday, September the 19th, the feast of St. Januarius San Gennaro, or a pronobis, or in Italian, prega per noi. It's 11 past now. Matt? The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Kevin Schmeezing. He's the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. So our first piece of Catholic history this week, we celebrate the anniversary of a founding of a university. Well, actually, not just a university in Mexico, but the University of Mexico. Yeah, that's right. I guess you could say our theme this week is New Spain. Both of our pieces are from that part of the world. Um, the University of Mexico this week in 1551, Matt, it was one of the earliest universities in the New World, 85 years before Harvard. Uh, after the conquest of Hernando Cortez in 1521, the former capital of the Aztec Empire became the capital of New Spain and was renamed Mexico City. Colonization proceeded, but along with it, evangelization, and one dimension of that was education. Probably the very first educational institution in the Americas was a school for Indians founded by a Franciscan friar in the Mexico region. The Bishop of Mexico founded a colegio, which is roughly equivalent to our high school in Mexico City in 1534. And so soon there was need for an institution of higher learning. The governor of New Spain initiated the process, and on September 21st, this week in 1551, the King of Spain and the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, issued a royal charter for the university. It was also approved by the Pope for theological studies, so its formal name was the Royal and Pontifical University of Mexico. 
It had chairs in theology, scripture, canon law, civil law, the arts, and grammar. It soon added medicine and native languages. For some 300 years, it was the premier university of northern New Spain. It ran into some trouble after Mexican independence as the forces of secularization swept across Mexico. It was closed finally in 1865. The top university in Mexico today is the National Autonomous University of Mexico, founded as a secular university in 1910, but it's sometimes considered the successor to the original university of Mexico, which had its start this week in 1551. Well, there are probably a lot of institutions of higher learning in the United States of America who think they have prestigious and ancient foundings, and they hear 1551 and are a little taken aback. Uh, but let's talk about the first seminarians from the California missions and uh, what we can celebrate from them this week. Yeah, it was this week in 1834, and a quick tip of the hat here to my fellow historian, Christian Clifford. He came across my Catholic pilgrimage book a while back. He contacted me out of the blue and alerted me to this dimension of the story of the California missions, which I had been totally unaware of up to that point. Matt, you and I have talked many times about the missions, this chain of outposts founded by the Franciscans initially under the leadership of St. Junipero Serra. The 18th of the 21 missions was San Luis Rey, which is today in the city of Oceanside in Southern California. It was there that Pablo Toc was born in 1822. His mother and father were both native Californians who had converted to Catholicism. So Pablo was baptized as an infant. He and another native boy, Agapito Amamex, also born of convert parents, showed considerable intellectual and spiritual promise. So in 1834, a friar from Mission San Luis, Father Antonio Perry, took the two with him to travel to Rome for seminary training. Pablo Toc was 12 years old when he and Agapito enrolled at the College of the Propaganda Fide, today the Pontifical Urban University, as the first native California seminarians. It was this week, September 23, 1834. Among their professors was the hyper-polyglot Cardinal Giuseppe Mezzofonte. We covered him, Matt, a few years ago, so some listeners might remember that. Mezzofonte was fluent in about 40 languages and had knowledge of many others. In his position at the church's Mission University, you might say he kind of collected languages, so he made a study of these Californians' native tongue. For his part, by his fourth year, Pablo was proficient in Latin, and he wrote an ethnographic account of California's native peoples. We still have it. It's titled De Californiensibus. Unfortunately, neither Agapito nor Pablo would be the first native Californian priest, because Agapito died in Italy in 1837, presumably of disease of some kind. We don't really know. Pablo died of tuberculosis in Rome in 1841, so he was not quite 20 years old. It wasn't until 1977 that a man of native California blood would become a priest, a descendant of Mission San Jose Indians ordained for the Diocese of Oakland. But the first seminarians from the California missions went to Rome this week in 1834. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. On so many, I have so many questions. I wish this segment was a whole lot longer. Uh, but you've also reminded me in this that there are probably a whole bunch of listeners out there who know some really interesting tidbits from their local dioceses and the history of the places they're listening from uh, that uh, I'm sure they'd want to get in touch with you to share. So if they want to get in touch with you, Kevin, maybe find a copy of your book. Is there a good way to do so? Uh, sure. You can find it anywhere, Amazon or any uh, online bookseller, and a lot of Catholic bookstores sell it also. And you can always find Kevin through the Sunrise Morning Show website, sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. You too. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Matt. We got traffic and weather coming up next. It's 17 past. 
family, if you just received Sacred Heart Radio's autumn newsletter, then you know it's because of family members like you that we received valuable input this summer about our programs, how and when you listen, and so much more. And in appreciation for taking the survey, we mailed out hundreds of Sacred Heart Radio t-shirts and bumper magnets to give you the swag to show others where they can hear about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The survey also revealed that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change the direction of someone's life, get those bumper magnets on your vehicle. And if you don't have one or the car wash ain't yours, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on signs and magnets. And with important issues facing Ohio this November, Father Rob Jack's article was a courageous reminder that our true power lies in prayer. There was also a full page of pictures, the elder football schedule, and more. Now, if you'd like to receive our newsletter and start getting our monthly e-newsletter, go to sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a thousand labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, that's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Quite a bit of slow traffic still, southbound 75 from Cincinnati-Dayton Road down towards Sharon, and then again as you're coming through the Lachlan Split, northbound 75 is slow as you approach the Norwood Lateral, and then you'll be slow uh, Heading across the lateral eastbound towards 71. Southbound 71 on the brakes from Field Zertle off and on to the Norwood Lateral in northern Kentucky. Northbound 71, 75 is slowing from Burlington Pike up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471 still slow from about Alexandria Pike up to the river. Westbound 275 still slowing from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 78 degrees. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny tomorrow with a high of 83. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, cloudy this morning, partly cloudy this afternoon, and a high of 76. Some passing clouds tonight with an overnight low of 56. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 84. Please join me in prayer for the daily prayer of the 54-day novena ahead of the November election, particularly here in Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 22 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping. 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com that's wimberglandscaping.com Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com Twenty-four minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We have been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Good morning. So we are in the midst of this national Eucharistic revival in the United States, uh, partly or perhaps mostly because surveys have shown belief in the real presence of the Eucharist is so low among American Catholics. And I mean, mass attendance gives us the uh, gives us the impression that belief in the power of mass or our desire to be there is really low as well. So how do you think that sharing the lives of the saints could could help stir in the faithful a greater belief in the Eucharist? Well, the problem is that we view the Eucharist as a symbolic action. That is, we don't really believe that Jesus is present um, substantially 
And I, I think if it's just a symbolic action, then we don't expect it to do much, right? You're like, well, it's like a memorial. We go there. We remember Jesus. But if this is really our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, and we are receiving him into us, we are becoming his tabernacle, well, then that's transformative. And so what the saints do is they show us the transformative power of the Eucharist. This is what it looks like if your life is changed by the presence of Jesus. Yeah, and you have so many stories, just little snippets of, of stories of the lives of, of Eucharistic saints. I mean, I guess every saint is a Eucharistic saint, but, um, but ones that really show us the power of the Eucharist in their lives. And we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but let's talk about a few of them. One of my favorite that you, you mentioned here is St. Tarchesius. Can you tell us his story? Yes, yeah, so he was a, a young man in the third century. So this is still during the time of the persecution. Um, and he was an acolyte. And so during the persecution, Christians were imprisoned, but they still wanted to receive the Eucharist. And so he was entrusted with the sacrament to bring to prison, right? You couldn't just have a bishop or priest waltzing in there because it would be very conspicuous. And so as a young man, they thought that he could kind of slip in uh, without attracting too much notice. But as he was uh, walking to the prison, it was clear that he was carrying something. And so there was a mob of young boys and they wanted to find out what he was carrying. So, you know, Tarsisius, show us what what do you have there? What are you carrying? And, and you know, he, of course, wanted to protect the Eucharist because, you know, we've talked, you know, in a previous uh, episode uh, here or a day <laughs> about um, the disciplina arcana. That is that they preserved the secrecy of the sacraments in the early church, that they did not want nonbelievers knowing what the Eucharist was. Um, and so he was preserving um, this secret with his own life, right, that they actually started attacking him, throwing stones at him um, and killed him to try to figure out what he was hiding from them that he wouldn't show them. And even after his death, they could not pry his fingers open. And so the Christians discovered his body, br brought him back to the catacombs and the and his hands opened up uh, before the Pope um, to be able to uh, give the sacrament back where it should go. It's such a beautiful story. And you quote um, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, um, saying that the consecrated host, which the little martyr had defended with his life, had become flesh of his flesh, thereby forming together with his body, a single immaculate host offered to God. So beautiful. But even before St. Tarchesius, we have an earlier saint that you highlight here. Tell us about St. Ignatius of Antioch. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, the church's belief on the Eucharist is really something medieval. You know, we've talked about that before as well. But here is a bishop who died, you know, right around the year 100, who not only taught clearly about the Eucharist, but then he viewed his own martyrdom in Eucharistic terms. You know, he said that I long to be ground up like wheat, you know, in the mouths of these wild beasts so that I might become the body of Christ. And, and so he looked at his own life in Eucharistic terms that, that he himself, in, by receiving Christ, who he clearly taught to, you know, to be present in the Eucharist as the true flesh of Christ, by receiving this flesh, that his own flesh could become a Eucharistic gift as he was martyred uh, in the Colosseum. 
Wow. Now uh, let's fast forward quite a few hundred, more than a thousand years, actually. And, you know, we talk about belief in the Eucharist being under attack now. My goodness, in the time after the Reformation, seriously under attack and onto the scene come quite a few saints. One of them, um, what, like 150 or so years after Martin Luther is St. Alphonsus Liguori. Yes, and, and just to make a note, right, I mean, there are Eucharistic saints continuously throughout the whole history yes. of the Church, and of course, every saint, as you said, is a Eucharistic saint. So we're skipping over a lot of saints. Yes, <laughs> to we make are, jump yeah. To St. Alphonsus. <laughs> Even in the book, uh, we are, yes, absolutely. Right, right. And um, I, I love St. Alphonsus because he helps us to know what to do to grow in Eucharistic devotion. Uh, he even has a book, you know, Visits to the Blessed Sacrament, where he says, go into church, kneel down, say this prayer, think about this. This is the, the kind of love that you should be showing Jesus. And he's the one who composed the prayer of spiritual communion that, of course, we were saying when we couldn't go to Mass, but he said we should say it every day. I mean, even if you can go to Mass uh, during on a particular day, you can still say the prayer of spiritual communion that he wrote um, so that we can constantly be living in the presence um, of the Blessed Sacrament, even if we're not in church, we're not able to go to Mass. Mm. Um, and so he, he's very helpful in helping us to grow in a stronger love of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, and a longing, I think. I never really thought about that, but to to pray an act of spiritual communion, I think, could could really, in in our hearts and in our souls, uh, deepen that desire to to be in communion with our Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's important because if the Eucharist is going to change our life, um, it's not just belief. Like we do have to believe that Jesus is truly present. But we have to grow in love. And it, I, I view it as just like opening the door of our heart to Jesus. Um, and he will make us home there if we do that. Yeah. yeah. So finally, let's talk about Pope St. Pius X. And uh, why why did you want to highlight him this morning, Dr. Stout? Mm -hmm. Well, in the Middle Ages, Catholics generally received the Eucharist only three times a year. And Pius X, who died in, in 1914... He encouraged Catholics to receive the Eucharist weekly and, and even daily, but there was a big if, if they were properly prepared. And I think that's another problem that we have right now with lack of belief in the Eucharist is that, you know, we uh, do not really prepare ourselves. We just kind of take the sacrament for granted. We just think if you go to Mass, then you should receive. And Pius was saying, you should receive, but to receive fruitfully, you need to be in a good state. You, you need to go to confession. You need to really prepare yourself in prayer. Um, you know, you really need to focus, you know, your love, your piety, uh, your heart on the sacrament. And if you don't do that, if you kind of waltz in, you're not paying attention, you don't really care, it may actually be putting up obstacles to the grace of Jesus. Um, but Pius also is the one who lowered the age of First Communion. And, and so I think there's just a, a lot of graces there um, in terms of trying to bring younger innocent children uh, to receive the sacrament uh, earlier. Beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. I mean, this whole section, I loved this section and was so tempted to just go through each one of these individually um, in successive weeks, but that would have really really um, dragged out your time with us, Dr. Stout, even though I'm still going to uh, keep you going through this. We still got about <laughs> half the book to go through still. I've been loving it. The book is called 
How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, and really encourage you to go pick up a copy, read more about these Eucharistic saints, the ones you just heard about and the ones you didn't hear about but are in the book. Dr. Stout, really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. It is 34 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. President Biden is set to address the United Nations General Assembly this morning. The White House says he will reiterate U.S. support for Ukraine and issue a defense of American leadership abroad. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is expected to speak at the meetings ahead of his scheduled visit to the White House on Thursday. This coming as the Biden administration has been pushing Congress for more funding for the war in Ukraine. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers is heading into its fifth day now. Trey Thomas reports. Say the union has met with. Well, it appears that that soundbite is not going to work. But the president of the United Auto Workers Union has set a new deadline for Friday before more workers begin to strike. Reports say the union has met with Ford, GM and Stellantis in recent days, but there's been little to no progress on a new contract. Nearly 13,000 auto workers are already on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan and Missouri, demanding better pay and pension benefits. Five Americans who were imprisoned in Iran are now free. The U.S. agreed to a deal that will give Tehran access to $6 billion of its own oil revenue that the U.S. had frozen through sanctions. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has defended the arrangement, stressing there will be rigid restrictions on Iran's ability to use the money. But Republicans have accused the president of paying a ransom to a known state sponsor of terrorism. Pope Francis yesterday participated via video link with the Clinton Global Initiative. Vatican News reports that children and climate change were at the center of his remarks as he stressed the importance of serving the common good. The Holy Father is entrusting his upcoming trip to Marseille, France, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Vatican News reports the Holy Father paid his usual visit to the Basilica of St. Mary Major to pray before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani. Pope Francis will travel to Marseille at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. During his Sunday Angelus address, he called this an opportunity to promote fraternity. And thousands of people believe Hawaii's planned date of October 8th is too soon to reopen West Maui to tourists following deadly wildfires there. A petition urging the state to cancel that plan has received about 3,600 signatures as of late Sunday. All of them were signing within less than 24 hours. Governor Josh Green's office says come October 8th, no one who qualified for housing assistance will be booted out of hotels. About 7,500 displaced residents are staying at dozens of hotels across Maui. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Cincinnati Reds picked up a major win in the playoff push yesterday. 7-3 over the Minnesota Twins at Great American Ballpark. Connor Phillips earned his first career major league victory after striking out seven, allowing just two runs, three hits, in seven innings of work. That'll do. Will Benson hit a home run, three RBIs on the night. Joey Votto also drove in two. Reds tied with the Chicago Cubs for that final NL wildcard spot. 
and will take on the Twins again today. So, uh, Reds, keep on keeping on. Last night, Monday Night Football saw the Carolina Panthers fall to the New Orleans Saints 20-17 to in an NFC South showdown. The Saints improved to 2-0. Panthers dropped to 0-2. Last night saw the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Cleveland Browns 26-22. to Real bad news, uh, star running back. Nick Chubb went down with a major knee injury. His season is likely over for the Browns. Both teams sit at one and one. Let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. The Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Dr. Joseph Salot will share the latest news from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Alan Migliorato will discuss the danger of judging the parenting skills of others. I'll talk about the necessity to forgive. Plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. O God, in my deeds, in my words, in my wishes, in my reason, and in the fulfilling of my desires, may the Blessed Virgin Mary and the promised branch of glory dwell. Oh, in my heart and soul always, may the Blessed Virgin Mary and the fragrant branch of glory dwell. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. It's 19 till... You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online and via the Sunrise Morning Show app on this feast of San Gennaro, martyr, bishop. Pray for us. Gia Chacon is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's founding president of For the Martyrs. Gia, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're going to be co-sponsoring an event with uh, In Defense of Christians, among other organizations, which I want to get into in a moment. But first of all, can you tell listeners about your organization, For the Martyrs? Absolutely. So we were founded as a result of my travels to the Middle East. I was previously working with another nonprofit organization that focused on international crisis relief. And between the years of 2017 to 2018, I was doing a lot of work in the Middle East, 
with the persecuted church and with Christians who suffered directly under ISIS in Iraq and Syria. And really, as a result of those travels, hearing the stories of the persecuted church and then coming back to the United States and talking to Christians here about what was happening around the world to our brothers and sisters and that Christians are the most persecuted religious group, realizing that Christians in the United States are totally unaware of what's happening around the world to the body of Christ, let alone this bringing this issue to secular media. Um, the Lord just placed a heavy burden on my heart for the persecuted, and through that, For the Martyrs was born, which is an organization that raises awareness about the crisis of Christian persecution, advocates for religious freedom, and provides aid to suffering Christians around the world. Well, so grateful for the work that you do and and grateful for you to be able to come on a show like the Sunrise Morning Show to to make listeners more aware of of what is happening to the body of Christ around the world, as as you were mentioning. Um, So at the end of the month in D.C., there will be the 2023 March for the Martyrs and Capitol Hill Advocacy Day. What all will be taking place over these two days? Well, we are very honored and excited to partner with In Defense of Christians to host a Capitol Hill Day of Advocacy, as you mentioned at the beginning of this segment. Um, And on September 29th, participants, along with some supporters of In Defense of Christians and For the Martyrs and volunteers, are going to be meeting with policymakers to talk about what's happening around the world to Christians and advocating for certain policies. Um, introducing bills and talking about them and encouraging lawmakers to support them. On September 30th, we will host our fourth annual March for the Martyrs, which is a march to stand in solidarity with persecuted Christians around the world. It begins at Freedom Plaza, and then there is a procession through the streets of Washington and ends with a very powerful night of prayer for the persecuted where participants will hear from survivors experts on the issue um, and be able to come together in prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. And we're going to be highlighting Armenia as one of the issues this year. Um, We're just devastated to read the news of what's happening in Armenia just this morning with Azerbaijan actually uh, attacking Armenian civilians, Christian Armenian civilians. We're also going to be advocating and highlighting what's happening in Nigeria and Iran. Just to name a couple. Oh, man. Uh, we had uh, Bishop Mikhail Moradian on uh, just a couple of weeks ago to talk about the the starvation, death by starvation that uh, the Armenian Christians are are experiencing in in the uh, Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh region there um, by Azerbaijan and and have been following Nigeria very closely. Um, what other well, I, I would really like to know, Gia, just I mean, we've been following for the martyrs in your march every year on the Sunrise Morning Show, I know. This is uh, the first time that you've been on the program, but but we have been covering this for four years. What has been the growth of of this march, particularly over these years? It's been incredible to see the growth. And what's really um, just surprised us and left us feeling very encouraged as an organization is the amount of young people that are interested in coming out all the way to Washington, D.C., Um, and being a voice for persecuted Christians. The majority of our participants are between the ages of 18 to 35. 
So this is really a young people's movement. I always say that March for the Martyrs is not just an event. It's a movement where we're waking up Christians of all denominations to the reality of what's happening around the world and bringing them together as one voice for the persecuted. So we're just always, I mean, amazed by the amount of young people, students, um, not just from Catholic University of America and some of the other universities based here in D.C., but also from Virginia, New York. We even had a few students that came all the way down from Chicago um, last year, which was just incredible. So we're always blown away to see the turnout of young people. Well, we will be praying for an even bigger turnout this year. Uh, Remind us of the details of all that's happening at the end of September with uh, For the Martyrs and In Defense of Christians. Yes, so September 29th is our Capitol Hill Day of Advocacy, and you can stay tuned um, to see the updates and the results of those meetings with policymakers. And if you would like to join us at March for the Martyrs on September 30th in Washington, D.C., join us at Freedom Plaza at 3 p.m. You can learn more at ForTheMartyrs.com. And right away, you'll see our March for the Martyrs tab that you can click on and get all the information to register. And you will find that linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Gia Chacon, really appreciate your time this morning and hope to have you back soon. Maybe get an update uh, once all of this has uh, gotten underway. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. You bet. All right. It is 13 till Dr. Jeffrey Morrow joins us next. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Our bodies are a gift of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as the human body ought to be treated with respect and dignity in life, so it is meant to be treated after death. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help make advance arrangements with their Catholic funeral plan. Pre-planning is especially important to those preparing to enroll in Medicare. It also ensures that you make the arrangements you want, leaving your family without the hardship of planning while grieving. Find out more at 557-2306 extension 319 or online at cccsohio.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. It's 11 till. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can pick up a copy of your own to study along with us over at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And joining us today on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors. Doc, good morning. Good morning. It is good to have you. And we are going to be talking about the second book of Kings today. 
How does this continue the story of the first book of Kings? Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Second Kings be- continues the story in that we're following the kingdom of Israel as it has split after King David and his son Solomon. And so we're seeing the infidelity specifically of most of the kings that are supposed to be teaching God's laws, and they are breaking them. <laughs> to say the least, I mean, there there is so much that that happens in the second book of Kings that we're going to get to in a second. And I mean, a lot of names that are kind of hard to pronounce. But um, who are the the major characters that that we're introduced to in the second book of Kings? Well, the first uh, characters that we're introduced to are, are continuations from before. We have Elijah the prophet, um, and then he died. He was taken to heaven, actually, without dying. And he's replaced by the prophet Elisha, who continues his ministry of preaching God's message to the north. And then we have a slew of kings, both north and south. Um, the one that I think is most notorious is perhaps Ahaz. Mm-hmm. So when we think about um, Christmas time and Advent, um, he is the one to whom the oracle of Isaiah 7:14 is spoken. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. He shall be called Emmanuel. And in 2 Kings 16, we see Ahaz offer his own son as a burnt offering to false gods. And this is a king of Israel. So it's, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's pretty bad. But there are some pretty good kings that show up in the second book of Kings as well. There are two. Yeah, there are two that really stand out, Hezekiah and Josiah. So the overwhelming majority of the kings after Solomon um, are are wicked. And that's what they're that's, that's what's highlighted. And God's fidelity, despite in unfaithful Israel, is also underscored. But the two kings that really stand out as good and holy are Hezekiah and Josiah. And I think what's really important about them is they have in mind the things of God. They want to restore right worship so that God can be worshipped. And they understand that his blessings are to reach to the nations, especially with Josiah, who reconstitutes the Passover. And we read that with Josiah, no Passover had been celebrated with such um, grandeur since the times of the prophet Samuel. So there are two, those are the two big good kings that stand out. And what are the most significant events that we read about in the second book of Kings? Well, I would say probably the Assyrian exile, the Babylonian exile. These two cataclysmic events that wreak destruction and havoc on Israel because of Israel's infidelity. Uh, So the Assyrians come out and wipe out Israel in the north, and then the Babylonians in the 6th century wipe out Judah and Israel in the south. And what this does is it fosters a hope for God's Redeemer, for the Messiah to come at some point in the future. And I think that's really, those are the most significant events during this time period, to help Israel realize they need God. And there is a holy remnant preserved, and they are waiting in expectation of a Savior. How cataclysmic was this in terms of the people of God, what they experienced, particularly when it comes to the destruction of the temple? I mean, we, we talk about what a, what a, a we, we talked with Dr. Andrew Swafford about what a huge event it was, Solomon building the temple, and then it gets destroyed here. What does that say? Well, we can't really, I think, fully understand this as Catholics unless we think about um, having no priests, no mass, no confession, no no sacraments apart from baptism and um, marriage, maybe like what the Japanese had for 200 years, because the Mm -hmm. temple is where the sacrifices were offered. That's kind of like the Old Testament version of sacraments. They weren't sacraments, but this was the the heart of Old Testament Israelite religion, and they could no longer follow these important commands of God. 
um, because there was no temple to offer sacrifices. So they had to rely on their prayers, what they knew of Scripture, and their their own kind of personal fasting and keeping kosher laws. So it's really it's a devastating event because uh, God had promised that the kingdom of David would be an eternal kingdom, and so they didn't know what would happen with no temple, no king of David, uh, and this is what fostered messianic hope for the future. Which is so important um, in terms of, of understanding a lot of what Jesus does in, well, all, all of what Jesus does in the Gospels. That's right. That's exactly right, because he becomes the, the new king of David. And in the Gospels, particularly in the Gospel of John, we see he's also identified as the new temple. So he's both the new king, the new temple, the new high priest, and the new sacrifice to be offered. Mm. So going back to to Second Kings here, Dr. Morrow, I mean, what what are the major themes that a person should be keeping in mind as they dive into this book in the Old Testament, keeping in mind the whole picture of salvation history? Well, I would say it's one of, of encouragement that we should not be discouraged when uh, when we watch throughout history, in contemporary times, in the news, in the church, or in our own lives, when we find turbulence, tumult, sin, and wickedness, it's not the end of the story, that there is hope of redemption, that God chooses to step into the middle of this and, and bring salvation and healing. That there's always hope. That's what I would say. That's such a good point, because these people have just been put into exile because of their sins. And then this is the time when when the prophets come, correct? Like if we're if we're trying to piece together the Bible, I mean, as you were saying, Isaiah, Isaiah is is prophesying during this time. Ezekiel is prophesying. I mean, you're you're getting the major prophets in in this moment trying to give the people hope. That's right. He's bringing them. They're bringing the correction of God, and they're telling them what to do. And then they're warning them: if you if you go down this path, this is what's going to happen. And then when all of the havoc is wreaked on Israel, the prophets are there to say, "Look, we have hope. God will continue to be with us. He will save us. There is hope." We've been talking to Doctor Jeffrey Morrow. He's one of the contributors to. A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, which you can find at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. encourage you to go pick up a copy so that you can continue to study with us uh, each week here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Dr. Morrow, really appreciate it this morning and look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that will do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show on this feast of San Gennaro. And um, he's a saint that's very important to me and my family. I talked about that in the first hour of the show. So go back and find the podcast a little later this morning so that you can uh, listen to that story. I'm always enthused to get to tell you. San Gennaro, pray for us. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 
513-489-0300. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. The Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio. and